Today we finish up the book of Philippians. We've come to chapter 4, verses 13 through 20. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Brother Bill. Good morning. Well, we come to the end of Philippians. It's been a great summer study and love it. And uh, I, hope, I hope you've been blessed uh, as we study the Word together. As Paul reminds us of his love for the church in Philippi, he truly loved them. And the Philippian church... Uh, loved him right back. And he always considered it an amazing partnership in Philippians 1.5. He says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He considered them partners, koinonia fellowship, walking side by side. And like Bill just read this morning, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, But the reality is, I'm so thankful for your kindness, for your gift to me, that you entered in, you walked alongside of me, you you came alongside of my trouble, you truly partnered with me in the ministry of the gospel. And because of you, lives came to know the love of Jesus Christ. Because of you, you sustained me and encouraged me. They came together in prayer as a church. They they, they gave of their finances as God led them to support Paul. They sent Epaphroditus to come and encourage him and be with him and give him uh, support as he needed. Their lives were fully immersed with Paul's and together they were seeking the Lord for the kingdom work of God that the gospel would be sent forth. And I pray that for us this morning as a church family, that we will... Consider what it looks like to partner in the gospel with those that are sent out to partner in the, in the work of the kingdom as a church family and as individuals. You can imagine what it must felt like for Paul as he received financial gifts, as, as he received uh, Epaphroditus to come along his side. I want to show a little video out of Houston. I think that's what, what it would have felt like for Paul receiving support and partnership. As the floods came in to Houston, all of a sudden, this is a truck that's driving down the highway, and for miles and miles and miles, there are trucks with their boats behind, lined up, lined up to come in and to rescue. Miles and miles, thousands of trucks and thousands of boats And I can only imagine for Paul that this is what it felt like. You see, 
you came in and you partnered with me in the gospel. It wasn't just me out there. You came in and you knew the need and you knew the work of the Lord and you knew that there's a region that's flooded in their sin and in their suffering and in their, their heartache and a need for a Savior. And you came in and partnered with me. You not only kept me afloat, but you came in and you rescued with me the souls of men and you saved them. Your partnership in the midst of trouble, in the midst of my trial, your partnership of walking in ministry with me. And that's really what we are as a church family. When we partner with our financial gifts, when we partner with our time and our resources. It's not just someone out there doing ministry. What Paul wants to make very clear is we do this together for the kingdom of God. I pray this morning that the Lord is going to teach us about what it means to be gospel generous. That we are giving to the work of the kingdom and we're doing it freely and that we're doing it with joy. And that we're asking the Lord, Lord, who can I partner with? Not only as a church family and keeping the work of the church going, but who can I also partner with that's sending out, that's doing global work? And Father, I want to rejoice with you and I want to be part of your work. We have a, we have a wonderful young family, uh, Jeremy and Becca Kramer. And Jeremy and Becca and their family, uh, their desire is to go serve the Lord in the Middle East. And I wanted to bring them up this morning because a lot of you don't know them very well and a lot of you don't know the ministry that they're going to be entering into. And I wanted you to know it. Uh, and I wanted you to hear from them. The other thing is, is I wanted you to know the need uh, for them to be sent over. And like Paul says, Paul says, he says, you know what, there was no other church. There was no other church that came by my side in verse 15. No other church that came up. But from the beginning of the gospel, you guys came by my side. So that the good news of Jesus Christ could get out there. You guys did. And so I want us to have an opportunity to think about what it means to be, we are the first to come alongside as they begin their ministry over in the Middle East. So Jeremy and Becca, share with us what God's doing in your lives. So I got my initial calling to go overseas through coal out in those modulars when I was in fourth grade. I remember a specific day when I, when I felt like God might be calling me. And I'm actually neglecting my duties. I'm supposed to be teaching fourth grade right now. Those same kinds of things. Um, that's, discipleship is recursive like that. But um, there's been a thousand moments, conversations, and, and, and stories from people at Cole or connected to Cole that have shaped my story and us, us standing here right now um, desiring to go to the Middle East. So many of the, there's, there's such a history here of, of sending out global outreach workers, and, and so many of them have shaped, uh, shaped us. So for us, particularly um, the Armstrongs, but also conversations and, and time spent with people like the Mannings and the Ivans and the Browns, and going way back to um, the Petticords, the Eitmillers, and then, and then also so many people who aren't global outreach workers, but people who have poured into us, like uh, the Mulmans. Uh, 
Rod Ritchie is a big part of my story. He was the college pastor. Um, and we, we went to Urbana, a big global missions conference, when I was in college. And um, there's, there's also there's a couple key conversations from that time that, that deep, deeply shaped me. So Jeremy and I and our four girls will be moving to the Middle East this December. We are accepted into an internship that will last for two years. And in addition to giving us language training, it will also give us unique equipping for disciple-making among Muslim people. Over the course of those two years, we believe we will have lots of opportunities to explore the work that is currently being done, as well as maybe see new work that needs to be done. We have a specific calling to marry compassion work with disciple-making. We believe that God cares deeply about people's physical needs as well as their spiritual needs, and we believe that we are called to do the same. Before you walk up, let me just pray for you guys. And, and uh, Father, I just thank you uh, so much for uh, Jeremy and for Becca. I thank you for their, their beautiful daughters. And uh, I love, Father, how you have prompted through your Holy Spirit, called them to step out in faith and to go and serve you in the Middle East. And, and may your heart of compassion pour out through them. May they make disciples. May they have opportunities uh, as you prepare hearts to, to draw people into relationship with you, Jesus. So empower them, strengthen them, give them your peace and your rest as they wait upon you. And, and Father, again, for us as a church, I pray that that you would move in us to partner with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you. Hey, one of the things, one of the things that, that I want you to know, I just want you to know the need. Their, their desire, their prayer has been that they can go uh, just, uh, just before the new year uh, and start their ministry. But they're at about 37, 40% of uh, what they need to go. And one of the things they presented is, is you know, it would be wonderful if we had, if we had uh, 30, 30 families, 30 individuals who said we would come alongside and partner with you at $100 a month. Uh, that would really get us uh, going uh, into ministry. And, uh, and they need that. That's, that's what they need. So I want you, as a body of Christ, just to ask the Lord, Hey, Lord, uh, would you want us to partner with Jeremy and Becca and the family in sending them to the Middle East and, and partnering with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Okay? So be praying that throughout the service and, and let the Lord move in your hearts. We trust uh, the Father for that, but that's the need. And we're so thankful for Jeremy and Becca, and we're, we're thankful for how their lives have been committed to sharing the gospel. And... And again, like Jeremy said, uh, this church has been gospel generous. We have, for, for all the years I've been here, 30-plus, uh, and this church is about to be 70 years old, but this church is gospel generous. And, and, I, and I think the word this morning that Paul is giving us as he's wrapping up Philippians is reminding us to continue to be so. And if we're not, to stir us up to say... This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We are to be a giving people. We are to be a people that are to, to invest in spiritual things, invest in the kingdom work of God. And he's reminding the Philippians of 
what's been happening since they've been giving of their money and of their time and how the Lord is pleased with that. And he's showing us, as we read this, this is what it looks like to follow the Lord with our gifts, our resources, our time. And so let us be a people who are drawn to that. Paul is reminding the church as he's closing up, we're a body that's meant to be unified, one spirit, one purpose, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to consider others more important than ourselves. We're to love each other well. We're to be drawn into this unity together because that reflects who God is in His love and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that in the body of Christ, He's reminding us there's incredible joy that comes in. That's our big sign in the back. There's joy in life in Christ and there's joy in the unity of the body of Christ. And I want you to live it out. And one of the greatest joys that comes into your life, one of the greatest joys that comes into your life is when we learn to give and to be gospel generous. God fills us full of himself. And and the thing is, the reason we're full of joy is because we're living out who our Lord is. He gives everything. And our Savior Jesus gave everything. And so let us be a people who reflect our Lord and Savior Jesus by being gospel generous. We don't want to be Dead Sea Christians where we get all of this pouring into us, all this blessing in life, and yet there's no outlet. It's been said that getting without giving makes only stagnant pools of men and women. And Paul is reminding us and and thankful to the church that you have given freely and you truly have partnered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let us learn how to give. I can hear the mumblings out there. Oh, great, honey. The preacher is talking about money and giving more. Where's the exit? I get it. You know, money is a tricky subject. But as Christians, we should never be embarrassed about when we talk about money. Because the reality is, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, in our love relationship with Jesus, it will always affect our pocketbooks. It should. It should. Because being gospel generous, again, is the character of our Lord. Giving for His kingdom. Giving so that He would be glorified. Giving so that that lives could be saved and have forgiveness of sin and be raised to life like Christ and have life in Him. And so we talk about it this morning because Paul is bringing it in. You know, it's not, this morning isn't about a guilt trip. If we wanted to guilt trip you, we would pass the plate again because we know you gave the first time. We got video cameras. We're not about guilt trip. It's not placing you under that. But one of the things that we do in this church, and, and you, if you're a guest here this morning, you need to know this. One of the things we do in this church is we talk about money, but only when the scriptures bring us to it about giving and what it, the impact of that is. And so this morning, the scriptures speak about it, and so we shall. And we enter in humbly, and we enter in seeking the Lord's leading, uh, because again, money is close to our hearts. And... Uh, God is asking us to be gospel generous. So let's dive in with that attitude. You know, the reality is, and I know if you're like me in this, and I struggle with, you know, I get the paycheck and it's like, okay, you know, what's my excuse this time about not giving? 
And I have all these needs out here that I have to, to get, take care of. And, and, uh, and then sometimes we give actually with just hearts that aren't really pure. And I've done that sometimes. I hope, I hope someone noticed I gave that $100 bill, you know. Um, and, and that's the reality of our, our giving life. And it's always a work in progress. You know, all of us are, are in that place. And, uh, and so understand we wrestle together, but we seek the Lord together. And uh, I just want to show a video of sometimes maybe what our excuses are for not entering into giving the kingdom work of God. Let's show this video. I give to God by enjoying what He has given me. Okay? I mean, you really think He expects something back? I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, alright? See, when the plate gets passed, I put it in there like that. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question. Huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha- has the fund let you funds? Huh? Is your door already being taken a W-A-L-K? Huh? What if I told you that I knew about the investment you could make? That the return would be mind-boggling. And it's, it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed. Okay? Malachi 3.10. That's what it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God. And he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. <laughs> he keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? Do I love him? Sure. Whatever. I'm just saying. Give. He gives back. I tell you. But just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom. That's a tie. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I have the goodness of my heart buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class. Boom. That's another tie. That's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we can take our spouse out for an evening. And they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka time. <laughs> I spent over $100 on our meal. And my wife was printed ear to ear. That, my friends, a tie. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And... If after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would I would consider giving something. But not now's crazy. We're, we're, we're gonna give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something. something. If you'd have that music minister, sing a couple more hymns now and then. Huh? Hey, what's it? What's this? Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what I say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord. Be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. 
wants to do a bigger work in our hearts, I think, and what it means to be gospel generous. And we resonate with that video because, quite honestly, sometimes we're right there. But the Lord has such an incredible uh, desire for us to have impact, have spiritual impact. And Paul is, is trying to demonstrate to the Philippian church, I want you to understand the spiritual impact that your gifts have had. And I want you to understand what it does as the Lord views this, as He deals and He looks at your heart as we're generous, as we're giving. And I want you to understand how it's impacting me and the kingdom work of God and continue to partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I really do pray that for us, that we will continue. Look what He says. Here's the spiritual impact of it in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I... Seek the fruit or the credit that increases, or excuse me, increases to your credit, to your account. I'm not concerned about the money coming to me. Paul was never a money grabber. And he he worked as a tent maker and and he was always saying, hey, I'll I'll do my work. I just want the gospel to get out there. I don't want you ever to think that I'm here to to grab your money. Some people were. Some preachers out there was just, we're going to figure out a way to manipulate money from you guys, and we're going to become rich. Paul was never that way. I wasn't concerned about the money. What I was concerned about is the spiritual impact in your life and how it was affecting you as you were giving. And I taught you while you were there in Philippi, and I was with you. And I think one of the things that was taught to them that they learned clearly was that God owns everything. It's all His. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and he established it on the waters, Psalm 24, 1. And remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce any wealth, Deuteronomy 8. If God owns it all, and he does then the reality is every financial decision, every spending decision is a spiritual one. It's one where we're saying, Lord, what would you have me do with your money that you have given to me? How do you want me to partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Father, what would you have me do with this paycheck? If everything is God's, and it is, Father, help me to know. And so you're inviting the Lord into all of your financial decisions because it's all His. And He has a desire for us to to let loose and to, to be free in our giving with joy and delight like the Philippians were. So I'm not looking for the gift for me personally, but what it does to your account and what's happening in your heart as you're giving And one of the things I want you to do is I want you to think about and invest in things that are eternal. So in this last lottery, 
what was it, 700 million? I mean, it was a, a phenomenal amount of money. Did you take some time to think about, what if I won this thing? And what did you think you would do with the money if you did win? Did you lay it before the Lord and think about spiritual things, or did you think about the greatest next earthly thing that you could buy? I know some of you were thinking about it. I sure was. Can't have that much money placed in front of you and go, hmm. What is our hearts towards God and with all that he's given us and all that he's blessed us with? Are we thinking about spiritual things? Because the reality is you can't take it with you. Solomon said, naked a man comes from his mother's womb. And as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor. He can't carry it in his hand. And he toils for the wind. At funeral homes, as the body is being prepared for the deceased, for men especially, sometimes what is asked is, hey, uh, will you provide the clothing for the deceased? And for the men, the funeral directors have suits that they put on the men, and the suits have no pockets. And I think that's very appropriate. You're not taking it with you. So what are we doing to invest in that which is eternal? That's what's for the kingdom. How are we being gospel generous with our lives and the money that God has given us? It's all his. Because there's good news when we're giving freely and when we're investing in things that are spiritual as far as it's crediting our account and that's investment that keeps coming back. Here's the good news that Jesus says in Matthew 6. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, how's it go? There your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Paul is wanting to mature the Philippians and thankful for the Philippians and how they are, their heart is for things that are eternal and for the kingdom. Their treasure, their heart is not on earthly stuff, the next greatest thing. Buying things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know, right? They're not concerned about that. They're concerned about the kingdom work of God, and they consider it such a privilege to be able to partner in the gospel of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Do you? And that's a question for us this morning. Are we entering into partnership with the gospel? Are we being free with God's money because it's his in the first place? Not a guilt trip trying to grow us up into being in the likeness of Christ who gave everything. Randy Alcorn says this, you cannot take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And that's true. We're building into that which is eternal. The Philippians had that eternal perspective of money. Their hearts were sold on God has a great work. We don't have a lot, but we're going to give because the Lord's told us to. And we're responding to the Holy Spirit. And they understood that it was His. And this wonderful banking terminology that said, hey, you're investing. As you're investing, you've got to understand, this has incredible interest. It's interest-bearing spiritually. 
Not only is it interest-bearing in that as you partner in the gospel, people are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, and therefore they are receiving the good news, and they're becoming Christians. That's fruit. But also in your own spiritual lives, you are growing, and, and the investment is increasing. And then eternally, in the kingdom of God, as we are going to live uh, most of our lives, by the way, in eternity, which goes on forever and ever, that there's an investment there in our eternal lives. And the reward and the fruit that came from us being gospel generous with God's money. And so it's a call, it's a challenge to us. And like I said, this is always a wrestling place for me. I'm always going, Father, help me. And, and Father, forgive me. I took that paycheck and I just did everything for me on that one. You know, forgive me. We're, we're prone. We want what's in the flesh, don't we? And he's saying, I want to understand this increases your account and it's good and it's pleasing to God. God doesn't have giving just to raise funds as though he needs that to raise money from you guys. James Boyce says this, and I appreciate it. Money that is given to help another Christian in the Lord, to help those who are needy and hurting, that's called fruit. And our gifts to others are encouraged by God, they are noticed by God, and they are much desired by God. What does your investment portfolio look like? Are we gospel generous? Have we asked the Lord, Lord, who do we and who should we partner with in the gospel of Jesus Christ? The other thing is, is Paul is wanting them to understand more and more, this is our spiritual act of worship. This is, this is what it looks like to worship our Lord is to be gospel generous. Look what he says in verse uh, 18 of chapter 4. He says this, But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied. You know what? The Lord, the Lord has blessed me with you guys, and, and you've met my needs financially and support. You sent me Epaphroditus. But I want you to know that what's been sent is a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. I don't want you to miss that last part. When we are gospel generous, when we are giving of our finance, our resource, to the kingdom work of God, when we are trusting Him as we let loose of our money, His money, He says, God is well pleased with us. Don't we want to please the Father? Isn't that our obedience to Him? Isn't that our desire as we grow in the Lord? I want to please the Father. Being gospel generous with a pure heart is pleasing to the Father. It's a spiritual act of worship. Paul wants them to know it. He wants us to know it. It's this beautiful, fragrant offering. Like in Leviticus, the offering that was burnt, and it was this beautiful aroma to the Lord of their sacrifice that was made. It's the same word that's used to describe Jesus on the cross. Ephesians 5 speaks this. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He gave everything beautiful and pleasing to the Father. 
And so we give everything freely unto him. Same wording. It's a pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord. Our spiritual act of worship. Our Lord sets the example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever should believe upon him would not perish but have life everlasting. He gave everything. A recognition that all that I have is his. There's nothing that belongs to me. And I no longer live, but Christ who lives through me. I am no longer my own. What? I am bought with a price. I've been given the gift of life and salvation. Every blessing that's upon me is from the Lord. And so I live out my life in a desire to please Him and reflect Him in being gospel generous and being givers to the kingdom work of God. Again, it's not about trying to manipulate you out of your money. It's not about trying to deceive you and and become rich. It's about wanting to grow you up in your maturity in Christ. Because it's a definite sign of where we're at spiritually. It is. On how we give freely. If we're holding on to this money that's the Lord's, it kind of shows where we're at with Him. That we're not trusting Him. That we're not coming into that place of worship with Him. He wants us to enter into that spiritual act of worship. Worship isn't just music, like we say. You know, we say, hey, how was the worship? And we think singing. The singing is a beautiful, wonderful part of our worship. But worship is our time in prayer. Worship is our time in singing. Worship is our time in the Word. And worship is our time in their giving unto the Lord. That's our spiritual act of worship. Are you gospel generous? And ask the Lord, again, because I know this is a wrestle for all of us. Ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be more generous with your money that you've given me, with my time. Father, help me to realize I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. And therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What was it like for the Philippians? They didn't have any money. They really didn't. They're a very poor church. What was it like for them to partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ? What was their heart attitude? How did it affect them? Paul wants us to understand what it was like for them. And again, he's thankful for how they're growing in this. Listen to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8. This is what it was like for them. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, primarily Philippi. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and in their extreme poverty, it welled up with rich generosity, gospel generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and they even gave beyond their ability. Why? Why? They did it entirely on their own. And they urgently, listen, this is amazing, they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first all to the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 
and then by the will of God also to us. But since you excel in everything and in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Why does Paul say that to them, to the Corinthian church? Oh, because we need more money? No, because this is a spiritual act of worship. And God wants your heart to be attuned to his. And as God blesses you, he wants you to bless others. And he wants you to learn to trust in him. The Philippian church, even though they didn't have anything, they gave beyond even what they had because they trusted the Lord that he was going to meet their needs right where they were at. They knew that their God loved them and walked with them. And so he goes on to let them know that the Lord responds The Lord responds to a generous giver. He does. Verse 18 and 19. And my God, my God, will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. As we give with gospel generosity and a pure heart, our God meets our needs. This isn't this prosperity gospel stuff or this, hey, if I give you a dollar, God, I'm going to get $100 back. I planted that seed. I'm going to get $100 back. This is how to get rich. This is investment giving. He's not saying that here. He's saying you need to know something. As you're learning to trust the Lord and being gospel generous, and where it's a sacrifice, it's a real stretch, God's going to meet you right where you're at. My God, and look how he's that. My God makes it very personal. My God, by the way, who created the heavens and the earth. My God, who breathed life into Adam. My God, who parted the Red Sea. My God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent. My God, who's your God, lover of your souls. My God is going to minister and meet all of your needs. And when he says meet all your needs, he uses language there that says, your cup is going to overfloweth. It's going to overflow. You see, because my God owns everything. thousand cattle on the hill. He owns all the gold and all the mines. It's all His. My God will provide for you. But the reality is, my God will provide for you in Christ Jesus, in His glorious name. All of His glory is going to come out. You see, what is going to happen is, is He's going to bring this wonderful life of Christ into you. Our main need isn't necessarily for money. Our need is for his life in us. Where will he meet our needs spiritually? He'll meet our need for salvation. That's our number one need. He'll meet our need for forgiveness. He'll meet our need for hope in desperate times. He'll meet our need for joy when we are downcast. He'll meet our need for presence when we need someone to walk with us. My God will meet your needs. Not your greeds. My God will meet your needs. And he does. And some of that is is financial. I need to eat today, Lord. You know that. Well, you know what? You gave generously to the kingdom work of God. I'm going to figure out a way, because I own everything, to get you some food. Doesn't Matthew 5 or Matthew 6 affirm that? Why do you worry about today, tomorrow, what you eat or drink? Don't you know the Lord takes care of all these things? And some of that's physical needs, right? Needs, not greeds. And he will do this 
according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Not out of his riches, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Big difference. Bill Gates came over and said, hey, I'm going to give you some money today. You'd be like, yes. And he gives you a hundred bucks. You're like, what the heck? That's out of his riches. But God says, I'm going to give you according to my riches. And did I mention he owns everything? That his resource is, is never-ending? I will meet your needs out of my glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I will respond to your gospel generosity. I will give you joy and fulfillment as you're learning to partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I will meet you right there in the Lord. So let us be a people who are learning to give and be gospel generous. I want to encourage you growth groups out there. I want to encourage you to be intentional. As you guys start to meet here coming up early September, be intentional as a group and say, hey, what can we as a group do together? Because Paul's speaking of the Philippian church. You as a church, you were the first ones and the only ones who came by my side. In your growth groups, ask your growth groups, be intentional, say, what can we do together to invest in the kingdom work of God? How can we invest in partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would that look for us like for us with our finance and our resources and our time? And I just want to encourage you to be intentional and receive the joy of the Lord as we learn to be gospel generous together. And he will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your good word and I pray that your spirit would challenge us this morning. Father, we, we come humbly and, uh, and, and just come before you with the, the finance that you've given us, with the resources that you've given us. And Father, may we freely lay those at your feet and trust you. And may we hear from you in what you would have us do with your money, Father, and, and your resources that you've given to us. We acknowledge that you are the giver of all. And so we want to give back with joy and with freedom and and we consider it a privilege, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we thank you, and we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.